Hey, y'all. Welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm your host, Hope Cook. I created this podcast to help women who have amazing careers on paper and yet something is missing. You're feeling out of alignment or directionless. Maybe you're no longer motivated or excited about how you spend your days. On top of all that, I'm guessing you feel guilty because you're not more grateful for your job. And maybe you even wonder how you can possibly keep going doing this for another 10, 15, or 20 years when you can barely make it through Wednesday. Let me tell you, I've been there. After 20 years with a rewarding career as a physician assistant, I could not figure out what was wrong with me. I felt pulled in a new direction, but didn't know what that was. A series of books and conversations led me to a life-changing decision to cut way back on my day job and become a life coach. My passion became helping other women figure out what it is they want to do and map out a path to get there. So listen weekly for tips and tools you can use to chart your own journey. Are you at a point in your life where things aren't bad, but they're also not exactly how you want them? But the problem is you don't really know what you want. Maybe your job's not bad, but you also think, man, I don't know if I want to be there five years from now. So if things aren't going fabulously, then let's talk. Let's figure out what you can change, what you can't change, and how you might get to where you want to go. And if you don't know where you want to go, we'll figure that out. So schedule your complimentary discovery call. We'll talk, and it's sort of like having your own mini session. Um, You can email me at hope.cook at gmail.com or look me up on Instagram at coachhopecook. My website is also coachhopecook.com. It's sort of ironic that I have recorded this episode three, actually, this is the fourth time. If you notice a difference in audio quality, it's because I'm in my closet in my childhood home in South Georgia, and I'm hiding up here because, you know, relatives and family can be kind of loud, and I wait until the last minute to record episodes. I don't batch them ahead of time. Because I like to put in the episodes things that are happening real life. You know, my husband and I get in an argument and I have an aha about something. Or um, I'm reading a book or a client has an um, epiphany about something. So I'm reading this book that a friend recommended. It's by Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie's the guy who wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People. But this book is called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And this sort of ties in with what I'm doing right now, and I'm leading a mastermind group. Just eight weeks, we meet at 5.15 in the morning on Fridays, and yep, we're going to meet on Black Friday, but our latest assignment for the people in the mastermind is to look at things that you need to let go of, whether it's in your business life or your personal life. Um, My friend Amy says that every year at the end of the year, she writes letters of resignation, And she sends emails saying, I officially quit whatever, PTA, or I officially um, am going to stop volunteering for this. And so we talked about how our bodies kind of give us clues about whether we really want to be doing something, whether it serves us, or whether we get that sense of heaviness and dread. 
And one thing that I've dropped just in the last week is volunteering at this um, indigent health clinic. I've done it for probably eight years and I just got to the point where I didn't enjoy it. Not that I didn't enjoy being there, but as the date would come up, I would dread it. And it's mostly because it's at night. It uh, starts at 4.30. I usually don't get out of there until 6.30 or sometimes close to 7. And I believe in it. I think it's a great thing. But I just noticed that my body would start, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And so I decided to take a break from it. So what I want you to think about this Thanksgiving Instead of thinking about everything you're grateful for, I want you to think about what you can bag, barter, or better. So if you bag something, that means you're just going to give it up. It's not serving you. It makes you feel um, worse as you're doing it or as you're thinking about doing it. And then if you barter it, that means you're going to trade it with somebody, give it to somebody else to do, hire somebody to do it. Um, I did that with my cleaning. I, when I cut way back, I got rid of my cleaning lady, started cleaning my own house, and I decided that it was worth me working a little bit extra so that I could pay somebody to clean my house because it was one of those things where I can do it, but it takes me hours, and I'm in a foul mood while I'm doing it, and I'm in a bad mood when people mess up my house afterwards. You know, the kids have their shoes on, and I'm just like, rawr! Like a angry, I don't know, crazy person. So that's another thing that I bartered. Or you can better it. So I decided instead of doing um, complimentary discovery calls just whenever somebody wants it, I'm going to have a certain time that I do them. So I'm not going to do it, you know, when my peak thinking time is, which is first thing in the morning. I made the mistake of um, letting a lady from the Philippines schedule a... I guess it was like 7 a.m. So I've never met her and she scheduled this appointment and we get on the phone and she's trying to sell me something. So I was like, all right, I have learned my lesson. I am not going to connect with somebody across the ocean. I mean, it was such a big time difference too. So anyway, that was a, an example of me bettering it. I'm still going to do discovery calls, but not going to do it when my um, brain is at its peak thinking time. Um, this book that I'm reading, back to it. So it mentions Sir William Osler. Now, this name is familiar to me because when I first started working in internal medicine, the name of our um, street where our office was located was Osler Court. And I made the mistake of saying to my um, physician I worked with, where did you get the name Osler? He's like, are you kidding? You've never heard of William Osler? He's the father of internal medicine. So I had not heard that name in years. And then as I'm reading the first chapter in this book, it brings up William Osler. And what it says is that he, um, there were, let's see how many words, 21 words that changed his life. And these 21 words were from somebody named Thomas Carlyle. So I'm going to read these 21 words. Our main business is not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. So this changed his life because he learned to stop worrying about the past, stop worrying about the future, and to live in the present moment. And William Osler went on to say that this point was hammered home when he took a trip across the Atlantic on this big ship. 
And as the captain was explaining the um, mechanics of mechanisms of the ship, he explained that there were um, compartments. He could press a button and these compartments would close off. So they were called day tight compartments. So if there was ever um, a flood, you know, of water pouring into the ship, the captain could push this button and each compartment would close up and be protected from um, the other compartments. And so William Osler says that he was a mediocre sort of guy, like not super smart, not a genius. But when he heard the captain talking about this, it really made him think about, okay, I'm going to have daytight compartments in my life. I'm going to focus on the here and now. I am not going to get so caught up in what might happen, how I'm going to pay these student loans back or what field of medicine I'm going to go in. And so he, he learned to not waste energy, not waste mental distress, um, nervous worries, as they called it back then. Um, that is what I'm trying to do these days. I spend a lot of time thinking about the future, but after reading at least a little bit of this book, I'm going to try to focus on living in the here and now. And so for those of you who are in jobs or relationships or situations that don't feel good, it is so easy to get ourselves wrapped up into what are we going to do about it? Oh my gosh, what am I going to do about it? And instead of that, I want you to bear with me. We're going to try focusing on what lies clearly at hand. I see a lot of patients with hair loss and especially since COVID y'all, a lot of people are losing hair in the six to nine months after they have COVID. So we get a lot of women, especially, that come in and they are so distraught. I mean, these women are usually in tears and we kind of joke about, oh gosh, there's a hair loss on my schedule. Um, but what these women are worried about, they're, they're not as concerned about their hair in the present moment. So they will say, yes, it's thinning, but they're not bald. I mean, they're not, they still have hair. And if it's from something like COVID or anesthesia, um, they're going to get their hair back. That's called telogen effluvium, and they're going to get their hair back, most likely. But what these women are worried about is the future. They pic picture themselves being bald. It took me a while to realize this was their biggest fear. But once I address it and say, look, I know you're worried that you're going to go bald, they usually break down into tears and... Um, and they're like, yes, yes, you're right. That's what I'm worried about. So this is what we do in our lives. We worry so much about being bald. We worry about the future, about what's going to happen. And instead, I want you to focus on what lies clearly at hand. I was in the airport um, coming back from Miami from a conference. And I was going to see if I could get on an earlier flight because I got to the airport so stinking early. And this guy was um, in front of me and he was pitching the biggest fit and he was upset about his flight and he couldn't get on this other flight. And he had too many bags. He had three bags and he was only supposed to have two. And I could feel the energy emanating off of him. He was definitely not in the present moment, like in that picture little compartment. So he was not in his compartment. He was living in the future, thinking about how horrible it was going to be when he got to his next destination late. I mean, this happens all the time at airports. 
Um, I didn't, I was not able to get on an earlier flight, but it worked out a-okay. Um, when I was in PA school, we had a classmate who had this happen with her flight. So her flight got delayed. Um, she was waiting in the airport and she started talking to a guy sitting next to her. Well, they ended up really hitting it off and they got married. I'm sure they dated for a while, but anyway, you never know what's going to happen in that little present moment compartment. Think of it as like a, um, a cocoon. We've used this analogy before. And while you're in the cocoon, you can't do anything else. You can't really, you know, plan where you're going to fly to. You can't go backwards and think about when you were a caterpillar and how fun that was to crawl around. You're just sort of in this um, cocoon phase where you can't really do anything else, so you may as well rest and enjoy it. In China right now, there's something um, called Tang Ping, and what it means is lie flat. That's the translation. And so these Gen Zs and millennials are getting all kind of slack because they are, is it slack or flat? Anyway, they're getting um, criticized because of this tang ping mentality, this lie flat. And it's sort of like doing the bare minimum. Not saying we should do the bare minimum everywhere in our lives, but there are going to be times when you don't need to focus on anything but the present moment, and you might need to lie flat. You may need to do the bare minimum just to sort of recover or um, recoup, rec uh, recover, recuperate, whatever it is. When I was in Miami, I got lost, and they have this little tram that goes around the downtown area, um, and it's above the street. So you get on this little tiny pod looking thing and it drives you around like a like a metro rail but it's small and so I got on this thing this girl was trying to help me figure out where to go turns around I turns out I just went in one big circle trying to find the hotel but she was trying to help me and I'm on this pod and we're going through the city and it was the most gorgeous sunset I think I've ever seen and I could see it like through the buildings and the palm trees were everywhere and this sunset was orange and red and it just lit up the whole sky. And for that moment, even though I was lost, I was hungry, I was really sweaty, I just, I was okay in that pod, zipping around the city, not knowing where I was, but I saw that sunset and it was like, Yes, everything is a-okay. Um, one other story from this book is about a guy. His last name was Evans. Um, and it talks about, it sounds like he had a nervous breakdown. You know, back then they had different words for it. But this guy got so worked up um, that his stomach, he says he couldn't eat. His stomach was in knots. He was anxious. He was worrying. And he couldn't eat. And his pain in his stomach got so bad that he started losing weight. He got weak. His muscles were atrophying. And um, the doctor finally said, Mr. Evans, you probably have about two weeks to live. And so this guy finally felt a release. He's like, okay, I've got two weeks to live. And it says he slept for the first time in months for more than two hours at a time. He slept and slept and slept. And when he woke up, he had an appetite. So he ate. And he was so relieved that like, okay, I only have two weeks left to live, that he was able to relax into the moment 
He started eating, gaining weight. Um, his anxiety went away because he thought, all right, I'm going to be dead in two weeks. I really don't have any reason to be worrying about anything because it's all going to be gone in two weeks. And he ended up recovering completely, gaining his health back and, you know, making a full recovery. This happened, too, with a PA that I was talking to probably a year ago. Um, we got on the phone and we were going to talk about burnout, but as it turns out, she had had something happen like a week before. So our conversation quickly turned to um, her health, and she had a new diagnosis that was deadly. So she was going to die of this thing. And she, you know, has two kids and a husband and a business, you know, a full-time job, and it was devastating. So as, as she's trying to process this, I'm talking to her. Um, you know, that's not my area of expertise. So instead of like coaching, I just tried to be a friend and listen to her. Um, so she was getting ready to go on vacation. She still hadn't seen um, the person who specialized in this condition. So she goes on vacation. Um, she gets back and sees the specialist. And weeks have gone by at this point, by the time she sees the specialist, and she has, like, had a total, I am dying, I need to get my affairs in order, I need to appreciate my family, um, and I'm okay with this. And then, y'all, the diagnosis was wrong, which is wonderful. But can you imagine, like, having that happen where you are so wrapped up in, I am going to die, like the future, this is going to happen. Just like the women who are scared about going bald, I'm going to die. And then you find out, wait a minute, it's wrong. I'm actually okay. I am okay. So that's another example of just focusing on what lies clearly at hand. One of my friends sent me her YouTube channel. She's just started a YouTube channel, and her name is Tiffany, and I'll link it in the show notes. And this was such a well-done video, but what it what she labeled it as was um, a, like a day in the life of a low-energy person. And this was fascinating to me because I wish I were low-energy some days. I mean, I'm like this frantic 12 plates spinning in the air kind of person. So I watched this video with fascination and she had like this mute, this chill music. Um, she woke up at 10 o'clock. She, she didn't like jump out of bed. Like, oh my God, it's 10 o'clock. She took it easy. And she's like, what do I want to do today? And her, she's talking quietly and, um, you know, I'm going to do a couple of hours of work, and she was supposed to go to a class, um, and she just, you know, missed it, and didn't beat herself up about it, and I was like, wow, Tiffany, I need to have a low energy day, so I actually tried it, and it was much harder than I thought, I mean, it lasted about 90 minutes, and then I was back to high energy, but when we're living in the present moment, it is a, it's a slow motion kind of thing. I mean, if you can really look at people's faces, like take snapshots of them as if it were your last week on earth, especially around Thanksgiving. I mean, a lot of these people we're having Thanksgiving with may not be here next year. We may not be here next year. So really slow it down. If you've ever been in, a, in an emergency situation, you know that um, time slows down. I had this happen only maybe twice. Once um, my son was, 
he had, oh, what's it called? Is it RSV? No, it's croup. So he had croup. He was tiny, like this little newborn. And I'd never seen croup in a in my kid because he was a baby. Anyway, his, he started turning blue. His lips were turning blue and he could barely breathe. So we called 911. And of course, by the time we got him out in the crisp um, fall air, his breathing was fine because it relaxed um, those muscles wherever croup happens at the back of your throat or wherever. Anyway, but time slowed down. I remember, see, I can still see his lips turning blue and I was very calm and I told my husband, call 911 and I, you know, it was just slow motion. I'd also, time slowed down when my daughter had a peanut reaction at a ski resort and um, they had the EpiPens out and they were paging us overhead, um, come to ski patrol and it was terrifying, but it time slowed down. It felt like it took me like a dream, a nightmare. It took me forever to get to ski patrol because my legs were just moving in what felt like slow motion. So instead of waiting until an emergency moment when time slows down, I want you to do what lies clearly at hand. Focus on today. Focus on this moment. Don't get so wrapped up in the future and in the past. Our brains developed this future doomsday worrying part of our brain to save us, because think about it, if you were going to cross over this um, crocodile-ridden creek back in the saber-toothed tiger days, your brain would have thought, oh no, what if I get eaten by a crocodile? What if I fall? What if there's a big python in there that eats me? And so your brain would have convinced you that bad things could happen, you should go a different way, you should pick a different option, and you would, and you'd still be alive. So that's why we have this, so that we can predict what horrible things might happen so that they don't happen. But guess what? 99% of the time, the bad, horrible thing doesn't actually happen, and we are wasting our lives and our mental health worrying about what could happen. I used to tell this story in yoga about um, two monks who were taking a trip, and they were um, about to cross a river, and they see a maiden there who's also trying to get across the river. And one of the monks offers to put her on his back and carry her across. And she gladly agrees. So the monk carries her across, sets her down, and he and his um, fellow monk start walking again. And they get a couple of miles down the road. And the monk who didn't carry the girl says, I just can't stop thinking about this. I really don't think it was appropriate that you carried that maiden across. You know, we're not supposed to really have contact with women. And not only did you have contact, you put her on your back and you carried her across. So the other monk was quiet for a moment. And then he said, you know, you're still carrying her. I put her down two miles ago. You're still carrying her. And the whole point of that is a lot of us are still carrying around things from our past. We can't let it go. Maybe we had a boss that was abusive. Maybe we had a, we got burned in a relationship, but we're still carrying it. So the monk who was still worried about it and still obsessing over it, he was the one suffering, not the one who carried her across. He put her down. He moved on. 
So think about what in your life you're still obsessing over. What do you need to put down? And lastly, back to the airtight compartments. How can you... How can you make your little compartments in your ship airtight so that you're not letting water spill over into your present compartment from the past and you're not letting it spill over from the future, from things that haven't even happened yet? You still have your hair. You're not bald. Stop stressing about being bald because that's going to make you more stressed and then you are going to go bald. And on that note, happy Thanksgiving. I will see y'all next week. Thank y'all for listening. It was so much fun talking to you today. All right, if you are ready to make some major changes in your life, if you're at the point where you are sick and tired of feeling stuck and directionless and you really don't know what to do next or where to go, maybe it's time we had a little chat. So I have it set up on my website. You can schedule a free 30-minute discovery call and we'll sit down and decide if we're a good fit. Maybe you'd prefer group coaching. Maybe you need one-on-one coaching or maybe you just want to talk and and say hello. So go on over to my website. It's coachhopecook.com. That's H-O-P-E-C-O-O-K.com and schedule the free discovery call. And I can't wait to talk to you. So See you next week, and hopefully I'll talk to some of you before that.